I'm Brian, and I want to welcome you back to my podcast, From Hevel to Eternity. This is the first episode of my first official series, and I'm titling it, What is the Bible? If you're curious about the background behind this podcast or the direction we'll be heading in the future, I recommend you listen to the pilot episode to help give you a better outline. In all my planning and prep work for the series that'll be covered across this entire podcast, this series has been far and away the most daunting for me to consolidate. Breaking down the Bible, outlining biblical themes, and really starting to unpack what the Bible is in just a couple-part series seems crazy to me. It seemed crazy when I started putting it together, and it still does. But as much as I want to dive into specific books, I don't feel I can do that without first establishing a foundation about what the Bible is and why it's important. I just wanted to warn you guys that if this episode seems super scatterbrained, it's probably because I am right now. This series is derived from a huge amount of research I did while compiling a 10,000-foot overview of how the 66 books of the Bible are really one unified story, and how the biblical storyline is really one arc pointing toward Jesus. As a dude who didn't grow up in the church, who wasn't fluid in the Bible, and who, to be honest, had never read the Bible until very recently, the original intent of my research was for myself to get a better understanding of Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, in a way that would strengthen my faith in Jesus. And I hoped by doing that, I would better equip me to share my faith with others. In a lot of ways, this study helped me with that, but it also did so much more. As I saw more and more how the Bible's 66 individual books are woven together into one story, I became more and more excited about sitting down to read it. It went from feeling like a chore that I had to do as like a good Christian to being something that I truly wanted to do as a follower of Jesus. The intent of this series is to outline God's incredible true word. I want to answer some basic questions about the layout of the Bible, its storyline, and how certain themes stitch together everything from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Hopefully this helps establish a foundation for when we start to cover specific books. Maybe together we'll see more clearly the characteristics of Christ that are revealed to us throughout the pages of Scripture. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard the passage, Every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I hear it a lot, but usually with a focus on the second half, the application half, profitable for teaching, correction, and instruction. I fear that the magnitude of the first few words just get bypassed, that every scripture is God-breathed. If you've never really gone to any Sunday school classes, or Bible studies, or Awanas, or have no idea what any of these things are, then you're just like I was a few years ago, when I hadn't even heard these verses, or knew there was a book of 2 Timothy. My point is not to applaud those who know this verse, or shame those who don't. My point is that regardless of your background, there are a lot of misconceptions about what the Bible is, and how we got it. 
So you walk into the bookstore to find the Bible. Or I guess nowadays you just open it up on your phone app. How did the book you're reading come into existence? This really ancient book with really thin pages and a lot of really weird words. Has it changed over time? Can I trust what I read in it? Who is the one speaking to me through the words on the page? And what information is the author trying to convey anyway? What makes it profitable? When it comes to how we got the Bible, the spectrum of opinions ranges from believing the Bible basically fell out of heaven after being published by some angelic publishing company, to the idea that the Bible was written by an ancient philosopher who just wanted to teach people how to live morally. Some people think that the Catholic Church wrote the Bible in an effort to control people during medieval times. We'll walk through what it is and how we got it, but spoiler alert, none of those are accurate. In my opinion, focusing on what the Bible is should come before trying to apply the wisdom of the Bible to our daily routines. We need to read the Bible as a theology book, and not like a do-it-yourself checklist. Who God is, and what his plan for saving humanity is, are more foundational than just knowing things we should or shouldn't do. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I remember those TV commercials for one of the major retirement plan companies, and after meeting with their financial advisor, a couple walks out of the building, and this green line shows up on the ground for them to follow. It's supposed to be their path toward retirement or whatever. I've talked to a number of people who think something like that about the Bible. That if I read the Bible, I'll start to see one of those green arrows on the ground, and I just have to follow it in order to be happy and successful. This light to my path, or roadmap to being a happy, successful person. But each time, they want to define happiness and success on their own terms. Yes, the Bible is full of laws and commands and wisdom that help place us in right relationships with ourselves and with others. But more than anything, God's word is filled with God. The Bible is a lamp to our feet. It is illuminating. It does shine light on ourselves and our own character flaws, but it places the biggest spotlight on God. Attaining a right relationship with him involves understanding who he is, and we can see his nature, his love, his power, his mercy, and his faithfulness on display in every book of the Bible. Where the Bible illuminates flaws in ourselves, it is also pointing us toward the one who was flawless. Us recognizing our limitations is meant to run us into the arms of our limitless Savior. Jesus lived the life we cannot to provide salvation for all those who turn toward him. A lot of times we read the Bible with a what can I get out of this mentality, which is a very me-centric mindset. And while most people wouldn't say it this way, that's no different than how we read philosophy books or how people today read self-help books. Reading the Bible for only moral direction can have disastrous consequences. What happens when someone tries that for a little while and all their problems don't vanish? They tend to think that the Bible just didn't work for them and then they run the other direction. We need to recognize that the Bible is the word of God from the one true God of the universe. And that should bring with it a different mindset and a different expected message than when we're reading a Facebook article about how to be a better parent to our children or whatever. 
Paul writes in the book of 1 Thessalonians, For this cause we also thank God without ceasing, that when you received from us the word of the message of God, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also works in you who believe. Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, was sent to die on the cross bearing my sins, was resurrected, and will return again. And the entirety of the Bible is one story pointing to him. In John 5:39, Jesus says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and these are they which testify about me. Paul talking about Jesus in his second letter to the messed up church in the city of Corinth, says for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. That was the ESV translation, by the way. Jesus isn't just a New Testament character. God didn't change course halfway through the Bible and say, all right, let's bring a new guy out of the bullpen. My original plan isn't working out. No. J.H. Salheimer says in his book, The Messiah in the Hebrew Bible, he says that the Old Testament does not only predict the coming of a Messiah, it also describes and identifies that Messiah. So what is the Bible? If you're looking for a quick definition, I can give you an excerpt from the Southern Baptist Convention's statement of basic beliefs. That the Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. But I'll close out part one by reading a passage from an article by Janet Chismar on BillyGram.org. The quote says, The Bible isn't just a collection of men's ideas about God nor is it a guidebook for living that people developed over the centuries. It is the word of God, and that makes all the difference. This means the Bible is our authority in everything it touches. This means the Bible is our guide to show us how to live. Most of all, this means the Bible is our instructor, teaching us about God and his plan of salvation in Christ. The Old Testament points toward Christ's coming. The New Testament tells of his arrival. From Genesis to Revelation, we see God's great plan unfold, his plan to win a lost humanity back to himself. The central theme of the Bible is salvation, and the central personality of the Bible is Christ. That's from BillyGram.org. There's some great stuff out there. I recommend it as a resource. They also have a daily devotional you can grab if you're interested. So all of scripture is breathed out by God, with the central themes of God's glory and his plan to save man through the blood of Jesus. But what is its substance? Or put another way, how is it presented and how do those themes unfold? Part two of this episode is going to focus on the structure of the Bible itself. It's a little confusing when told verbally, so I would highly recommend watching our How the Bible is Structured video up on YouTube at 
the YouTube channel From Hevel to Eternity. At the highest level, the Bible consists of two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament covers the biblical timeline from creation and follows the journey of God's people, the Israelites. It tells of man's fall in the garden, the Israelites' origins, God's covenants with them, their exodus out of Egypt, their voyage into the promised land, God's promise to King David and his family tree, their exile into Babylon, and eventually their return back to the promised land. The New Testament tells the story of Jesus and his followers. It describes the birth, life, death, resurrection, and eventual return of Jesus Christ, as well as the spread of the gospel throughout the entire world and the origins of the church. Diving into the details of the Old Testament revealed that its 39 individual books were written over thousands of years. The first five books were called the Pentateuch, or the books of Moses, they could also be called the law books. They are traditionally attributed to Moses, but they follow the descendants of Adam and Eve, Noah, Abraham, and Moses himself. Here's where you get a lot of like the children's stories that you generally know about the Old Testament. You have creation and Adam and Eve. You have Cain and Abel. You have the Tower of Babylon. You have Sodom and Gomorrah and the flood. You have Noah, you have Moses, the burning bush, you have the Israelites enslaved in Egypt, and the plagues, you have the parting of the Red Sea, the Ten Commandments in the wilderness on Mount Sinai. Not that these are children's stories, but these are typically the most familiar stories when it comes to stuff you see in pop culture or in kids' cartoons or Sunday school lessons, outside of maybe David and Goliath. The traditional, most read, most known stories show up in the first couple books of the Old Testament. They end with the Israelites in the wilderness on the edge of the promised land. These books show a rebellious people and a loving, redeeming God. The next set of books cover the history of the Israelites in the promised land. They can be broken into three distinct groups. Each of these groups has three books. Two books that cover the general history of that time period, and one bonus book, which provides additional context into that time period. Grouping one includes the books of Joshua and Judges. These books cover the Israelites' entry into the promised land and the judges who were appointed by God to save his people from destruction. But it was also a time of wickedness. The judges all had major flaws, and eventually a time arose when everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and they forgot about God. The bonus book in this section is the book of Ruth, which tells the story of two non-Israelite women, Ruth and Naomi, and how God uses a kinsman redeemer to save them and bring a non-Israelite woman into the Messiah's family line. Subsection 2 includes the book of First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. In the original Hebrew texts, each of those was really one book, so First and Second Samuel was just Samuel. We break it out to make it easier to read, but it was originally three books. These books follow three specific kings who led a unified Israelite nation. They specifically focus on King David and the promise to him that the Messiah would come from his family line. After King David and his son, King Solomon, pass away, the United Kingdom becomes the divided kingdom, splitting into two nations. 
These events display the heart of a people running from God, of kings from both nations who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and a society-wide corruption where the people did not obey God's laws or worship him with their hearts. This eventually leads to the destruction of the northern kingdom and the capture of the southern kingdom by Babylon. Chronicles is the bonus book, which covers a lot of the same material covered in Samuel and Kings, but with a focus on the kings from the line of David. It covers how these kings from the line of David were not the Messiah, the true Savior, and it continues to anticipate the coming of a future Messiah from that line. A line that we read in Matthew leads directly to Joseph and Mary and the birth of our Savior in a manger in Bethlehem. The last subsection of the history books tells of the Israelites' return from captivity in Babylon. Ezra and Nehemiah describe a small Israelite remnant who returned to the Promised Land to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and the city's walls. Esther is the bonus book here, and it describes how God works without being seen to save the Israelites from a plot that would have exterminated God's people. God ensures that the Israelites are rescued and that the Messianic line is preserved. After the history books, the Bible has a few books that get lumped into the wisdom literature category. These include the books of Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Psalms, and the Song of Solomon, which was also called the Song of Songs. God's infinite and perfect wisdom are described here. We are reminded that God is the creator and sustainer of all things, and that we should seek after wisdom, fear God, and run away from the wisdom and material things of this world. We also get amazing insights into everyday life applications. The Psalms, the prayer book of the Bible, display real-life conversations with God through all circumstances. The Song of Solomon gives us a picture of how beautiful human sexuality can be when it's applied in biblical contexts. After the wisdom literature, we find the prophetic literature. The prophets were sent by God to speak messages to the Israelite people. These messages are often complex and confusing, but they describe the sinful state of God's people, the need to repent and turn back to God. They describe punishments on God's people for continued disobedience. God also gives the prophets words of hope. Despite their suffering, God's plan has always been to redeem his people, so the prophets describe the coming Messiah. In detail, they describe the coming Christ, and the Old Testament ends with God promising silence until the Savior's arrival. The New Testament picks up right where the Old Testament leaves off and begins with four accounts of the Messiah's arrival. They describe the gospel, the good news of God's salvation through Jesus the Christ. Book of Acts tells of the coming of the Holy Spirit to Jesus' followers, the spread of the gospel, and the birth of the Christian church. This book is followed by a large section of letters. These letters were written by followers of Jesus in the first few decades after his death. They are written to churches and individuals describing who Jesus is and what it means to be a follower of him. The final book of the Bible is the Revelation. It describes the return of Jesus in judgment and glory to usher in the new creation, a new heaven and a new earth where Jesus' followers will see Jesus' face and worship him daily in a world without tears or suffering or pain.
The Bible begins with creation and ends with new creation. In between, it's a description of God's plan of redemption for his people through the blood of Jesus Christ. Next episode, we'll dive into some of the sub-themes to look for throughout the entire Bible. They all work in conjunction with the main theme, but sometimes being aware of how certain dots connect can be super helpful. I'll probably be a little nerdier in that episode. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses in this episode were from the World English Bible Translation, which is public domain. I'll post some links to some of the quotes, but until next time, I love y'all. Thank you.